Welcome to the Art of Leadership with your host, Nina Ellison. Today, you are invited to join Nina for an educational podcast that seeks deeper insights into healthy leadership, explores personal growth, and elevates the value of soft skills in leadership. Thank you, Barry. I am Nina Ellison, and today on the Art of Leadership, we're going to be discussing this idea of the imposter syndrome. But first, I want to talk about Seth Godin. He's a global thought partner, and when he describes himself, he says that for more than 30 years, he's been trying to turn on lights, inspire people, and teach them how to level up. His latest book was released this last week, and it's called The Practice. The book itself is full of insights and wisdom, and today I want to talk to you about his statement, We Become What We Do. So what's your story? Will you look back at 2020 and and acknowledge your survival? Will you recognize the difficulties around you and how you were able to become a change agent? Were you able to celebrate all that life held for you because of what you were able to do? Before we discuss this idea of what we can do to become more, let me ask you a question. Are you clear on who you are right now? If you were to ask yourself, who am I? Would you look to speak about your core or your relationships, your skills, your talents, your work? And I could go on. Let's just say that in looking forward, if we want to become what we do, it's really helpful to pause for the briefest of moments and understand our starting point, understand how we define, how we state what we have done. Makes sense, right? Last week, I met with a young leader who had a specific change he wanted to make in his approach to communicating with others. As we started talking, he pulled out a brief highlight of how he saw his strengths, his vision, and his goal. And and it was amazing that within just a few minutes, we were deep into a conversation of specific actions that he could change in a very specific area of his leadership. Because he had taken the time for self-reflection on his desires for becoming to the point that what he needed to do was self-evident, he was ready to become more by doing more. This was such an inspiring encounter. But how about you? Are you still in recovery mode? Are you in anticipation mode? Are you filled with confidence? Or is this your taking a toll on how you see yourself? In December 2019, a research article was published. 62 different studies about this idea of the imposter syndrome. There were over 14,000 participants, and what this review of all these studies showed was that the presence of the imposter syndrome varied widely from some of the studies showing that 9% of the group were struggling with the imposter syndrome, all the way up to 82% suggesting that there were symptoms that existed. And the studies show that the imposter syndrome could exist with men and women and within multiple ethnic groups. The imposter syndrome is significantly associated with worsened experiences in both the academic and the professional setting. So why is the imposter syndrome important to discuss now? 
Well, enter 2020, a year where academic and work experiences have been dramatically altered based on the pandemic. So, again, let me ask you, have you noticed a seed of dissatisfaction in yourself? That you're not meeting your personal growth plan? That you're not succeeding in the steps that you had set for yourself or becoming the leader that you thought you should be? With all of the churning change that has gone on this year, you are not alone in doubting your skills and your talents. And perhaps you've even started doubting that you don't think you're as smart or as talented as other people think you are. If you're having these kind of thoughts, be aware of the imposter syndrome. The legend Maya Angelou, who won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, once said about herself, each time I write a book, every time I face that yellow pad, the challenge is so great. I've written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. This imposter syndrome identifies that there can be times for each of us where we struggle with being accurate, with being authentic and acknowledging our own accomplishments, our own competence. With the imposter syndrome, there can actually be this fear that we will be seen as deceiving others, as someone who doesn't really have the skills and talents that we've been identified with. A person with imposter syndrome struggles with acknowledging just how confident they are. They struggle with feeling inadequate. And and this isn't humility, but rather a fear of being exposed as a fraud. Have you ever felt this way? Or have you been aware of someone that you know or you work with that may be experiencing this, particularly during a year of change and chaos within the workplace and within the academic setting? By the way, if you start thinking about this imposter syndrome, where you, as an expert in some area of your life, have started underestimating your level of expertise to the point of undermining your confidence, also watch out for the opposite. The opposite is the expert syndrome. The opposite of an imposter syndrome is called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where people with low ability overestimate themselves, thinking more of their contributions, thinking they know more than they do, and sharing this false knowledge with a sense of competency and confidence. And by the way, this is not the same as pride, just like humility was not the same with those who struggle with imposter syndrome. When we talk about becoming what you do, about acknowledging the real you with your talents and your skills, that authentic person who makes a difference and who celebrates realistically the difference they have made, let's look forward to our concerns of being imposters or false experts. And let's look at what are some of the doing concepts that move us forward. And a shout out to Seth Godin for his inspiration on these ideas. There are many kinds of actions that will move us away from falling prey to being misaligned with who we are and how we connect with our world. And I've chosen five I want to share. The first one is, I trust myself. I trust that I'm seeking to make the right choices, including the choices that impact my mind, both intellectually and emotionally, my body, and my soul. 
The balance of these three, body, mind, and soul, is critical in activating the steps that reveal the true, authentic you. The second thing that I want us to look at doing is to persist on the journey to grow and change. So I would say to myself, I persist on the journey to grow and change so that I can make mature and wise contributions. Notice that I'm not doing this so that I can be right. I'm not persisting on the journey just so I can be right. I remember my mom taught me from the time I was a little girl that I could be wrong by being so very right. No, this persistence and growth is more about taking a step of doing that leads to being insightful, patient, kind, and as I mentioned earlier, gaining wisdom and maturity in the way that I persist in the journey. And the third thing for doing, I pursue an understanding of my daily action steps, not merely jumping straight to results and outcomes. In this new book, The Practice, Seth gives us insights into the value of the journey. Focusing solely on outcomes forces us to make choices that sometimes are short-term and sometimes take our focus away from the journey. The fourth doing is I give myself room to fail and pick myself up because I am not always the best. I'm not always the most. I'm not always the ultimate of whatever. (laughs) One of my mentors, John Maxwell, in his book, Fail Forward, clearly calls out that if we're not failing, we're not really moving forward. And then the fifth thing I want to bring out today is this idea that I serve others without a guarantee that my service will be recognized or appreciated. When I first became a leader, Robert Greenleaf had a significant influence on my life where he began describing this idea of serving first. This was not a new concept, but this definition made sense to me as I was looking for the kind of actions that would take me towards becoming the leader I desired to be. As a servant leader, you're a servant first. You focus on the needs of others, especially team members, before you consider your own. You acknowledge other people's perspectives and you give them the support they need to meet their work and their personal goals, including them in decisions when appropriate and building a sense of community within your team. This leads to higher engagement, more trust, stronger relationships, and also more innovation. Most of you as leaders are aware of the elements of your story that you would like to change. Focusing on these five actions of trusting yourself, growing yourself, choosing your actions, uh, failing first, (laughs) and, and then moving forward and serving can increase your confidence and help you address your doubt, even if you're facing some concerns about being an imposter. Do you want your story to look different in 2021? Consider these actions that will move you towards becoming an even better version of yourself. And you can find me at www.healthyleadership.online. There's a place there for you to connect with me. I'd love to chat and see how I can help you in your growth and development plans.